Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there, who made an end of all my sin. Because a sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon.
Good morning, sunshine. Well, I would say normally I get up here and say it's a bright, sunny day, but I don't think that's the case this morning. But uh, I'm glad everybody's here that uh, we can be here and worship this morning. Um, let's get it started off with a prayer. God, thank you for being who you are um, just for us, dear Lord. Uh, right now, I just want to ask that uh, you bring us together um, and help us uh, go through this worship. Help us uh, sing loud to you, dear Lord. Um, help us open our, our hearts and our eyes and our ears um, and learn something new that we've never learned about you before, dear Lord. Um, I want to ask uh, that you be with uh, uh, Jamie as he's given a lesson today. Um, just ask that uh, you use his words through him uh, for us. Uh, God, I just wanted to continue to bless, or thank you for all your many blessings. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Oh, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. I Hallelujah to the Lord. 
in this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We've got four different versions. First is the NIV. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The message version. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. The New King James. For God, gave, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And the Amplified. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Please bow with me. Dear Lord, we're grateful for one more day on this earth. <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you for the, the blessings and uh, thank you for the blessings that we don't see. Lord, I just uh, pray you be with our, our country. Bring it healing, Lord. Help us to be on track for you. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this building and those who can't be with us who want to be here, Lord. Uh, please bring your um, emotional and physical healing on, the, on people, Lord. And uh, we pray, Lord, that each of us get out of uh, today's uh, um, sermon, Lord, that we get what we need to uh, make it through another week uh, focusing on you. Lord, we give thanks for all, and we pray for the sick. And, Lord, we just give thanks for each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's a message true and glad for the sinful man to sad. Bring it out, bring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Bring it out, 
Tell 
prepare our minds for taking the Lord's Supper, I'd like to read uh, 1 John chapter 1 this morning. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for your words that uh, you gave to John and he gave to us. We're thankful for the confidence that comes through those words. We're thankful for the love that comes through those words. We're thankful that... Uh, we have forgiveness 
uh, of all sin. And that's made possible uh, by your son's uh, sacrifice because he conquered death and sin on the cross a long time ago. We just pray that uh, each one of us uh, here this morning as we're about to partake of the bread which represents his body will just uh, focus on on what uh, was done for us and the magnitude of that and we pray that uh, we'll all examine our hearts and minds to uh, to see that we're striving to align our our lives and our our actions and our thoughts uh, with your truth which is your word in Christ's name we pray amen Let's uh, go together in prayer again. Our Father in heaven, <clears throat> as we come before you now, we just uh, are mindful of your love and your power. Uh, and you carried all that out in the sacrifice of, of Jesus for our sins. Father, help us as we are together here, uh, partaking of this supper together that you help us to focus on what was done for us and we just pray that uh, as we live each day of our lives we'll always remember your promise and we know that uh, your promises are always good father and uh, we have heaven to look forward to because of that in christ's name amen
Church, I apologize this morning. If you see me looking over or looking back here, um, I think it's time uh, that I finally realize that I'm getting older. I'm having a hard time seeing the PowerPoint on the wall back there. So, uh, so you might keep me in your prayers if I'm losing, losing some of my vision. I'm just getting older. So uh, if you see me look up here, it's just because I'm having a hard time making out some of the words. So, uh, Heavenly sunlight. Walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountains through the deep end. Jesus has said, I'll never forsake thee. Promise divine that never can fail. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Well, 
good to see you all. I'm not sure what's going on here right now, but everybody keeps saying, I think the sermon will be short, right? Yeah. I, I, uh, I was very blessed by our elders and you all, Tim and myself, Tim and I, my, yeah, I, we, uh, we went to Pepperdine lecture, lectureships this week, and uh, we had a blast, and, um, and, and then, you know, everything was smooth and wonderful, and then we got to Minneapolis-St. Paul uh, Friday evening and then we were delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. I walked in my house at 5.40 in the morning, uh, yesterday morning, I heard a rooster crow when I was walking in. And yesterday we had the after prom and I heard the rooster crow <laughs> when I was walking in. I think I slept like six hours in the last two. So everybody's like, you know, um, we'll have a short sermon day, but I talk more when I'm tired, and then when I, so I don't know what's going to happen here. So let's just all settle in and see where we go. We're a little sparse. We, I think every prom was last night. Prom workers, prom helpers, prom kids, prom everything. So thanks for coming. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, let's pray together. We'll keep going through the service. Father, thanks so much for this time. Thanks for all the blessings you shower on us every day. It's so good to be here this morning with your friends, your fa- our friends and family, with your children. And God, thanks so much for all who are here, all who are online, those who couldn't make it, um, those who are asleep right now, who are really tired. Pray that you bless all of us and everyone, God, who, uh, man, who, are, who, are, who are struggling through this life, through this time, through this place in history. Help us to, to open our hearts to you this morning, God, and let you do your work in us, that your spirit could move among us, God, and that we wouldn't get lost in the um, imperfect, fragile person doing the talking this morning, but we would get lost in your word and in the encouragement that comes from it. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So the, uh, so the excitement of the morning is uh, Greg having to read the same verse four times. How did you come up with that? That was pretty cool. 
Um, I never thought about that before. I'm kidding. It was, it was kind of cold, but that verse is so powerful. If, you in, if you've been with us over the last several month, few months, several weeks, we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, and we've been talking about the, the, from the concept of being real, that, that the world is, is such a, there's such a fraud uh, afoot. It's fraudulent how we all live our lives, how the world lives its life, how, how society has taught us to not be genuine, and that, that we're not safe being genuine, that you wouldn't be welcome if you were just the real you. If you could just drop all the nonsense and all the, you know, the stuff that you feel like you've got to put out there so that you could be who you are, who God really made you to be, man, I don't think anyone would accept me. Then the next level would be, I don't even think I know who I am because I've been living this so long. I, don't, I really don't know who I am. It's one of the greatest blessings, I will tell you, uh, to, be, to know and be known by God is the greatest gift. But to be known and accepted by you and, and you with me, that's, it's a really close second <laughs> that I could just be me. Now, don't think that means all of the, the, the warts, yes, there were accepted warts and all, but I'm not saying you know, just whatever you feel, whatever you think. Of course, we know better than that. You know, we can't just... And that's why this, this next fruit of the Spirit is very important. But the call to be real, to be what God has really called us to be, to step into the challenge He's called us to, the fruit of the Spirit is the most genuine life we will ever live. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of, that comes from God Himself, from Jesus, what they lived out, and what the Spirit wants to bear in you when you are His child. He wants to develop His fruit in you. And, and we, we've gone over what those are. The first one is love, that we would have a genuine love for one another, right? For God and one another, the unconditional love. doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what you say, I love you. We looked at the word agape, I agape you. That's what I feel about you. I just want the best for you. It's not about me, it's about God, and it's about you. And I, I, you don't get that anywhere. I, I mean, I know we would say, no, you can get it here. No, you can't. All of our relationships come with this preconceived agreement. You don't do anything that, that bothers me, makes me feel out of control or upset, and I will love you and accept you. But when you start messing with me and what I think life should be, forget God, you, we're not that faithful. <laughs> it's all about me. We don't claim we're that faithful, but it's a very self-righteous, arrogant kind of life. It's don't accept me, don't mess with me, and we'll be good. But Jesus comes along and says, listen, I got you. I truly love you. Yeah, but Jesus, I'm going to offend you over and over again. I know I knew that when we, when we made you. And I'm going to die on the cross to forgive you. I got you. I don't, love like, I don't like love like you love. I love because I am love. And then he tells us, you have to. Not you ought to, not you should, maybe consider. You have to develop this kind of love for one another. It is a no-brainer. This is the test for your life in heaven. There is no, isn't, the test is that Jesus died for you. We all know that already. But the, but the reality of you living a changed life, of your salvation being settled into you, is that you begin to live the life and the fruit of the Spirit, that he's developing this in you. Not a shopping list. I want Jiffy, not Peter Pan, honey roasted, which is really good. 
But, you know, I, I, want the, I want the Ritz, not the townhouse. I want the, no, 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 this is, this is not a list that you can pick and choose. They're all here for you. Joy. The, my joy may be in you. Your joy may be complete. Full joy. The happiness that comes from the spirit, not the happiness that happens from the world, like happening. If things happen well, I'm happy. And if things happen poorly, I'm mad. No, no, a happiness, a joy that comes from Jesus. The peace, the peace that passes all understanding that it's way beyond the patience that you and I would bear with one another, like Jesus bears with us. How long does Jesus bear with you? Well, he talks about seven times 70, meaning if you're, you know, you always forgive, you always forgive, you always hang on, you always trust. And when things get weird and you can't come through, Jesus will still keep coming through because that's who he is. Kindness, right? Not, ha not, not, not nice. Nice is too shallow. Kindness. Always looking out for the best good of others. Goodness, that we live that life into what he has called us and, and, and the whole identity of Jesus himself. Faithfulness, we talked about this root word, faithful. It's the act of being living out faith in every way, right? But not, it's not just the thought of showing up here, always a good person because he shows up at church. He stays married to his wife. He, no, it's a faithfulness of living into Jesus, which would matter in all those ways. But we get a little, we cop out a little bit by giving ourselves a little bit of a checklist. Well, I'm faithful here, I'm faithful here, I'm faithful here, so I'm good. No, 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 no. It's not enough. And then gentleness, right? The tough one last week that was really, really, really difficult to settle into gentleness. It always causes us to be gentle. The one that you can choose uh, in difficult times is developing in you. It's being created in you if you're, if you're a child of God living by the Spirit, but to step into the gentleness. The, remember the Clydesdale horse, the, the great power, meekness in, in, uh, in, in uh, the Beatitudes. Gentleness and meekness are the same word. So meaning great power, I have power to crush you or to say things that humiliate you or to, to write you off or to cause you to not get to be my friend anymore. But meekness and gentleness says this great power is placed under God's control. All right caught up with where we've been before, right? So the important things here this morning is self-control, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The one, everything hangs in the balance here under self-control. Okay, we know that we talked early on that the, the fruit of the Spirit is really just one fruit and it has nine characteristics, right? But the big one is this one. Self-control is the one that everything hinges on because what happens at this part of the story is where we all lose control. We have no control. We think we do. Remember that we talked early on about the temptation of the age would be to look good without being good. And that's what we try to do. We try to control our surroundings and our insecurities and our brokenness. We try to feign that we are those who love God. And we might know the Bible really, really well. They, there's been, it's historic that the churches of Christ know the Bible really, really well. It's also historic that the church of Christ and many other churches, very conservative type churches, don't know God and don't live it out well. That's not, that's not a good thing to know the word and not know the author. 
So often we end up treating it like it's something that is just to be memorized or something that's just to be read over and over and over again, like that your favorite novel or that, that book you've been waiting to get to, and it's my favorite movie, and I see it over because I know every word, but it, but it never changes you. It's huge. It's a really big deal, you know? I was, we, we went to home groups one time. We had a home groups, you know, at, uh, at, a, at a family that, that, uh, from here in when we got home, my Kristen says, um, well, they really have cool decorations. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, well, they have, and she mentioned what it was all throughout their house. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, it's like a cool theme all throughout. I'm like, wait, what? They had, really? I don't remember any of those. I, I, I walked in. I'm, I'm around there. I didn't see anything going on. I just walked in, did the, the business we were supposed to do. We went, plowed through a Bible study. We totally did the Bible study. Felt as though I connected with the people. I didn't see their home. Wouldn't you, if you're going to connect with somebody, see their home? You know, I invite you into my home. Wouldn't you see my home? If you like me, if you love me. The interpretation that, is, that you could find on who I am would just be right there. You see what I drive? Is it blue? Is it red? Is it pewter? I don't like driving bright colored cars because I think I'm loud enough already. I don't need to introduce myself before I get there. You see somebody in bright colored cars that said something about them, <clears throat> like it or not. You're saying something. I'm interpreting it. Oh, I understand something about you. By what you drive, the color of things you drive, the way you dress, you interpret things about people. And so the power of this moment is that we have this, this reality in us that we know Scripture pretty well. We think we know it really well, but the best of us don't know it really all that well. We know some words on a page. But we do not know Scripture well enough to know Him in any... I mean, the world would be different, let's be honest. The world would be so much different, and this community would be different, and this church would be different if we knew the God of the Scripture. And none of us are innocent in this one. And it all goes back to self-control. Brennan Manning, the, the, the temptation of the age is to look good. I play my part well. I am what I am, father, husband, wife, mother, leader, servant, whatever I do. I play my part well, so I look good. Yeah, you look real good. I mean, until God gets involved, and then the test all comes out everywhere, right? So, so we know God's word has a lot to do about being real, about being the real deal. Now, one more thing that we talked about last week. I got to say this again because we need to get this one more time. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, so I need to say this so we know. Um, about context, the Bible says Cain killed Abel, right? We know that, Genesis. The Bible says Judas hanged himself, Matthew 27. We know this. Luke 10, the Bible says, go and do likewise. King killed Abel, Jews hanged himself, go and do likewise. You can make this thing say whatever you want it to say, but it doesn't mean it's going to say what he says, right? One more time. We can make this thing stand up and dance, do a jig, whatever we say. We can make it happier than, it, than our lives really are called to be. Not that we're called to be very happy. We can make it horrible. We can make it whatever. But we only are given authority in God as he gives it to us to 
allow it to say exactly what it says. And that's all. Cain did kill Abel, and God had a real problem with him, and he, and he was tormented for the rest of his life about it. Judas did hang himself, and he died for real. He's the one who betrayed Jesus, by the way. And the Bible does say, after the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus confronts the lawyer and says, so who did, who was the neighbor to the one? And he says, the one that had mercy on him. He says, yes, go and do likewise. There's context. These fit somewhere. You don't just get a grab and pull or else you say crazy things. So when you take things out of context, when you take text out of context, all you have left is con. It's a con game. It's a con game. Somebody's playing you. It might be me. So it's very important. It's very important, hugely important that you know the word and you do whatever it takes you're going to be listening to somebody. If I'm talking and you think I know something, you're listening to somebody. It's on you to listen to write, to read correctly. Even get an audio version, man, so you can hear it read. Instead, You get so caught up in verse by verse by verse by verse that you get lost in it so often. And I said last week, we got a chapter with 25 verses. We think we treat it like, like God's trying to make 25 points. And so often there are 10 chapters trying to make one point. There might be 15 chapters making one beautiful point. And we break that one point down so many times, it's like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what he was saying here anymore. And God's going, how did you get that? Are you crazier than I thought you were? I'm glad I died for you. You'd never find it. You'd never figure it out. And, and he knew that. All right, so on with this, okay? Show me your humanity. This thing's a little weird on my ear. Or maybe I'm asleep up here. I don't know. So... So when we go into this story of self-control, one of the things we have to know, okay, is that control, I, I learned this, by the way, this week on an airplane. I'm flying home, and there's this, uh, this older gentleman sitting here. I'm crunched in the middle, and then there's this um, bigger guy by the wall. I'm crunched in the middle, you know. This older guy's here, and he's really little on the aisle, and then his little wife's right here sitting in the aisle seat one row ahead of us. And um, he's like, starts talking to her. I said, oh, is that your wife? It's the smooth move on a plane. You know, you're in a bad seat. And you find out there's family not together. And you're like, oh, is that your wife? Oh, I could give up my seat if you... <laughs> People swap all the time, right? I had a window seat. There's a family from Oregon. Daughter, daughter across the aisles. Dad, I'm sitting by the window. I love the window. Nobody bothers. Not that I mind being bothered, but I don't always like being bothered. Got a window seat. Think I can take a nap. Dad starts talking across the aisle to the girls. I'm like, would your dad like to trade seats? And she goes, oh, he would love it. I'm like, oh, great. So we trade seats, and I go over to the aisle, and uh, I said, well played. And the daughter said, yeah, I knew if I said it like that, you'd trade. I'm like, that's messed up. <laughs> but this guy wasn't buying it. I said, hey, so if you guys want to say, oh, no, no, we get the aisle seats on purpose. We, we don't want to be like, whatever. So I'm talking to him, and something happens that someone gets a little bent out of shape. Not bad, just a little weird. You know, flights are weird. The world's angry. In case you didn't know it, the world is angry, 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 out of control. We are those who are led by the Spirit of God. We are not out of control. If we are, we are wrong. We are not doing this. And if you get this wrong, all of them are falling apart. It hinges right here. Hear me again. If you get this one wrong... If you cannot control you and don't think this is just about sex, 
If they could control their sex, they wouldn't be having affairs and falling apart in their families. Yes, that's true. Don't wash this out. This is on you. It's all about me. Self-control is all about you. Someone got a little bit out of shape, and um, the guy says, um, so where do you go from here? I said, well, I just found out why they've been out of shape. Our flight just got delayed three hours. Oh, so that put you home three hours later? And, oh, no, no, no. When we get back to, when we finally get to leave, we've got to go to Columbus, and we've got to drive two hours home. It looks like 5.30 in the morning. He goes, ooh, that would be frustrating. I said, well, I'm doing a little something on self-control in a couple of days. <laughs> and he started laughing, and he said this, control is an illusion. I'm like, what? And some of you know. You know this, right? Some of you know the author. Some of you know the research on the illusion of control and why we battle with it always. Our insecurities, right? The things that our wounds, our insecurities, or our lack of real understanding of life itself. I have put myself in a tiny little bubble in southern Ohio, and everybody else can just go to, if they mess with what my bubble is, do not mess with what my bubble is. I can control this. And Wayne Gamp says, as we're flying out of Houston one year from coming home from Honduras, all those little squares on the ground, you know when you get high enough in the airplane, and uh, those little squares, and Wayne pokes at the window. He had the window seat, had the metal seat again. I never thought about that, Wayne. <laughs> a guy lives his whole life for that little square. I couldn't help but the further we pull back, I'm like, look at all this humanity. Look at all these people. We don't just hate them. We're mad at them. The whole world's hating and mad at one another and the church. And you look no different so often. None of you. You look no different. Something's wrong. Something's weird. Facebook makes me crazy. They're, on, they're Democrat. They're Republican. They're down the middle. Oh, no. They're anti-vaxxers. They're whatever. They're vaxxers. They're what, anything that you can think of. They're Ford. They're Chevy. They're Dodge. Oh, no. They're electric car people. What are we going to do about all of this? Right? What are we going to do with everybody? Well, I got to hate them. They're messing with my control. Do not be arrogant enough, self-righteous enough to think this is about God. Your lack of self-control, your little mm, selfish, small-minded control is not Christianity. It's not God following, and it is not God protecting. Jesus said specifically, I could call 12 legions of angels and wipe your face off your head and everybody else around here. Why? Because you're not just sinning. You're trying to kill me, the Son of God. He didn't find it any way important to protect himself, to look out for himself. To make sure that the world didn't kill him. And we're like, I don't want you to think bad of Jesus, so stop it. <laughs> I don't want you to say it's okay to be whatever, do whatever, think whatever, so stop it. Why? Because you don't want him to go to hell? No, because you don't want to mess with your religion. You got a self-control problem. You got a control problem. You got an issue deep inside. And it's part of the reason that the world is nuts. 
part of the reason the world has lost their mind. They're so angry about everything, so lost and argumentative about everything, so opinionated about everything, so much like the complaining, whining, sniveling children of Israel who God said, I am so weary of your whining and your anger and your negativity and all the junk you're spewing. I don't want to hear you anymore. You're supposed to be my children. You live differently. You have hope. You have life. You're supposed to be the salt of the world, the salt of the earth. You're supposed to be the light of the world. Man, you look like you're drinking just flat, 100% lemon juice all the time. You're like, everything's bad. I hate it all. I hate them all. Go away. Leave us to die at sunshine. Leave us alone in our church. Let's just fade to nothing. We can't do this. We can't be these people. That is not the call of God in our lives. A, a whole bunch of things. I had a little time on a plane, so listen. <laughs> Too much time, as some would say. So I jotted down a few things as I read and I listened and I read and I listened. And here's some of the things the leadership people, very strong Christian folks who we listen to on our DVDs and our home groups and all that stuff. Here's some things they said about our anger, okay? Starts with the self-control is an illusion. I would give you her name, but I'm going to have to pull it up here. Who said that? And there's wonderful articles about what she's saying there, a psychologist, sociologist. You know that, that right now, there are, there are this phenomenon, this super popular called Rage Room. You guys familiar with Rage Rooms? The world is so angry, they're making money off these rooms. It started in Japan, these rage rooms. You, you go and pay like it's like the, the, those one rooms where you go and solve a mystery. I haven't had a lot of sleep. Someone say that again. Yeah, escape room. Yeah, the one you never get out of. So, so but there's a rate, not, not you, Bri. But, but, the, but, but there's also a, there's a, there's a, a rage room because you're mad. And someone's going, they're so mad. I bet I can build my new house <laughs> on a rage room. I can get a nice car. I can put my three kids through college. I can build my 401k. I'm just going to put a bunch of old plates in this room and give you a sledgehammer. You go and smash it all up. Give me 100 bucks. Be glad to. Why? Because you're mad. You're so mad. You're so upset. The world's so mad and so upset always about everything. There's never... Peace, and if there were peace, someone's going to be mad because there's peace, and they just can't let it not be all torn up. Are you somebody keeps the world torn up? Keeps your people torn up? There's always got to be a problem. There's no place for me if there's not a problem. Who am I if I'm not finding the problem, exposing the problem, letting you know there's a problem? I don't even know who I am. And God's going, I know who you are. You're not a child of light. Your child constantly. What does God hate? What's one of the things he hates? In church, in families, in division. You're an author of division. You're always upset. Something always going on. You're always tearing things up. Why? Because you're mad. Because there's peace. Because there's something. And you don't know who you are if you're not stirring up trouble. I, I can tell you who you are. You're not a child of peace. But I can tell you who can help you. Jesus. He will help you find peace. Keeping moving. Here's some, some notes. Um, if you have a problem... With this, and, and, and I listen, we do. You've been mad this week. You're frustrated or upset about something this week. 
I know us because I'm and, and, and church folks because I know people in the community. I know people who won't go to church, not to a whole lot of places. They won't, and I, let me re-say that, restate that. They won't go to church anywhere because they know Christian folks are just mad. Service is not going to come on time, so they're not going to leave a tip. If they do leave a tip, it's going to be a little one. It's going to be a little one because I'll show you that you didn't deserve a big one. Because, of course, your service is based on how well you do, not how generous I am. Wouldn't it be weird if Jesus did that to us? Un- the results of your anger are devastating. You are leaving a legacy. It's not a one and done. It's not just happening and then it's over. People are forever wounded by anger, by your lack of self-control. Your lack of self-control. Don't, don't worry, there's hope. Intentionally or unintentionally, you are leaving a legacy. Anger, outbursts, destroy relationships, and you know this. You know friends, family members, people that you have isolated because you are always angry. You lose your influence everywhere. You lose your influence everywhere. You lose influence in your home, and you know it. You lose influence in your family, and you know it. You lose influence at work, and you know it. You lose influence in your friendships. Wait a minute. You don't have any. You might be good there. (laughs) Since you don't have any friendships, you probably haven't lost influence there. And then you blame everybody else because it's their fault. They make you mad. Nobody makes you mad. Nobody in the world has the power to make you mad. Do the work. Open a book. Read about brokenness and control. You're hurt. And hurt people hurt people. But that's not deep enough. Hurt people hurt people really bad. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will crush my spirit. And there are a lot of folks not hanging on to Jesus because there are a lot of folks who are mad. The truth is, your anger causes you absolute problem with any kind of leading. And everybody here is called to lead. Everybody here is called to have some kind of influence in the world. People will never respect you or follow you with loyalty when you can't control your anger or always being angry. I know us. We live here. When you lose your temper, you lose every single time. You know it, too. You know Zach, right? Tim knows it. Mike knows it. Greg knows it. Yes, I know, Jacob Bo, you know it, too. Tanya knows it. Jamie knows it. Man, I know the humiliation, and I hate it. I thought I was, and I, I just, don't, don't say it, just don't say it, just don't say it, because you know this isn't, this isn't the hill to die on. There's never a hill to die on. There's a time to stand up for Jesus. There's time to, to stand up for truth or stand up for a soul. When, is, when a soul is being abused, the only time Jesus stood up was against us, right? He never stood up against the broken. Go your way and sin no more. Adulterous woman. What's she know? She knows there's more. To, he knows there's more to the story. She's set up. Yeah. Oh, but well, she shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Yeah. He got to that. Okay. And we're not playing that down. We're not dumb. 
We, we know the story. We know the story. We know the heart of the story as well. But anger does not let us get to the heart of the story. It doesn't, it doesn't let us love the broken in the community, the broken in the church. And I've got to tell you, we're broken here. And we know it. You may think you win an argument. You lose. Every single time. You lose every single time. There's never a time when fighting is okay. There's never a time when Jesus fought. Except to who? Who? Was it the blind man? Oh, no, that, he didn't. Was it the lame man? No. The man with the leprosy? No. The woman caught with the issue of blood? No. Jairus, Jairus and his daughters? No. The woman at the well? Oh, no. What about the woman who washed his feet? The sinful woman that Simon's judging? No. He didn't lose it with her either. And he didn't even lose it with Simon for questioning in his heart her character. He lost it with those who were so caught up in losing their control that they were hurting others. They could not, they had no self-control. They could not control what their lives were going to be if Jesus really lived into them. Everything's going to change. And Jesus is like, oh, it's going to change. Well, we're not going to let it change. It's going to change. We're not going to let it will change. I guarantee you it's going to change. You can hold on to your little part all you want, but things are going to change. And they change. He changes everything. And every time you fly off the handle, you push yourself further from God and further from others. Jesus always made allowances for broken, struggling, confused, doubting people. Always made allowances. The sinner, the struggler, the battler, all those things. Man, the Bible you know Think about it. The words that you under that you you know in your heart, think about them. Why are they there? What's the point of them? Because Jesus loves people. He's not mad at them. You don't die for people you're mad at. An angry mouth runs three times faster than your brain. Maybe four, maybe five, mine probably ten. But there's something you can do about it. There is incredible hope. The incredible hope is that in Jesus, we can do something different, right? The incredible hope is that Jesus offers us another way. But, but we know this already, so we're going to try another time. We know this already, but we're going to give it one more shot, okay? We're going to hear a little more about self-control and then we're going to put it into play. So what it would look like is when, you, when, you, when Jesus starts to develop this these fruit in you, in, in Jamie, and, and I, in that moment where I'm prone to give in, I feel myself, I'm going to say, no, God, you have said. You love. You have said you'll deliver. I am not hopeless or powerless here. My options are incredible. The, the, the places I can choose to go in this moment are as multi-opportunistic as you are deep and loving and forever. I do not have to choose just my hopeless feeling, just what I want to do. There's a soul at the other end of my mouth. There's a heart at the end of my attitude. 
And I need and am called to do something wonderful about it. Listen to what Scripture says here, okay? The, the Spirit of God does not, or the, for the Spirit God gives us, should have listened to Greg when he read all those times, does not make us timid, okay? It doesn't make us angry. It gives us power, the power of God. Dynamo, remember the word in the Greek? He's going to blow things up in a good way. If I live faithfully in the fruit of the Spirit, but if I choose self-control, I wipe all that away. It does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay, it includes all the things we know it includes, but this anger, this this stewing and stirring and this frustration that just never goes away is not of God. And it's one of the main things that lead us to all the other broken places. We're upset about something. We're lost about something. We're mad about something. And then sin is waiting at the door for all the things that sinful nature wants to do. All the ways that Jesus talked to the woman and caught in adultery, the woman at the well, and all those places, how to get there. A broken relationship. Something's not filled. I've lost control. I'm mad. I'm hurt. I'm upset. And so I indulge in the places that God would never want me to be. Why? Because you're, you're struggling with self-control. And it starts with the passion, the fire, the anger, and those things. When you start getting angry, even if you think it's a righteous anger, you're probably not in a good spot. He pushes on. In your anger, do not sin, okay? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. You don't, you don't know what another person's going through. God did not, Jesus did not defend himself. And I don't know of any situation that my anger ever fixed. I don't know any situation my anger ever fixed, but I know all the wounds in me from an angry person, someone over me, someone more responsible than me, someone who's going to fix me, someone who'll just get me straight, and all the things that well up inside me still, though forgiven, still wounded, and you do too. So the cause to give those over to Jesus, not let ourselves get to welling up in them. This don't give the devil a foothold. I've got to step on the gas here. This don't give the devil a foothold is a, is, a, is a powerful, powerful truth. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Don't give the devil a foothold. Meaning you've got to deal with this. You guys, some, in this room, we've hurt people, man. We can't leave those things just laying around can't be mad. I can't be angry. It's ugly and ungodly. James says, really quickly, before we get here, pretend I didn't do that. Legion, Jesus shows up, you know, and, and there's this man, he's got a date with Legion. I mean, he crosses the sea in a storm just to get to Legion. A man who is, he's out of his mind, he's crazy. I mean, that's the truth. What you would call Legion is crazy. He's a nut job. All right? He's completely out of his mind. He's naked, hairy, angry, upset. He has, he has struggles mentally, emotionally, and all the things. And then he's just scaring people. He's completely out of his mind. He's violent. He's awful. Everybody in the community is scared of him. They want nothing to do with him, can do nothing with him. And Jesus shows up and puts him, what's the words? Puts him back in his right mind. 
Right? You know the one that he tells the demons to come out and go into the herd of pigs and the pigs all run down and, and, uh, and you know, kill themselves? They go to the townspeople, hey, this guy killed all our pigs. And they come out and they catch, see Legion and they see him and they're startled and they ask Jesus to leave. Why would you ask Jesus to leave? He put, you back, he put him back in his right mind. He was, he, was, he was angry. He was upset. He was possessed by Satan. Spirits, right? Yeah. Demons. Jesus cast them out. They ask him to leave. Jesus can deal with legion. And in this room right now, we probably struggle with about everything legion struggled with. I might have been mentioning it as you're like, yep, that's me. <laughs> yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. I get it. The denying that we struggle in these places is not being real. It's not who Jesus called us to be, right? So then this one. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because, the, because human anger does not produce the righteousness, righteousness that God desires. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's not, a, that's not approval to be angry. <laughs> it doesn't mean, oh, I get to be angry. No, no, quick to listen, slow to speak. Remember, quick to listen, slow to speak. I get to be angry. No, quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Why? Because your anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. And I know right now, in a day, we're going to be going, I just want to step on the gas because I know that's wrong and I'm going to tell them it's wrong and I need to be angry because nobody else is angry. So I've got to make somebody angry. And, and this verse is still going to be in your Bible. This verse is still going to be in your Bible and you're going to hear this. Because human anger, and all of us are human, does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. You have a self-control issue, and it's washing out everything in your life, all your influence, all your hope, all your relationships. And instead of doing something about it, you just get mad because it's there. <clears throat> it absolutely makes zero sense. That the opportunity to be free and have self-control is right there. And instead of doing something else, I just get mad because now you know I have a self-control. What, what are we doing? And one more, and we need to get going. All right. So, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. This is James 1, 19 through 20. Moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you, the humbly part. Get rid of all this stuff and humbly accept the word, this all that God has planted in you. When we go out west for spring break every year, I've kind of put this regimen before some of the students who want to go hiking. They want to hike the Grand Canyon, so I say, in order to go, you got to do this, 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 and this. you got to get ready, right, Bo? we got to do this to get ready because, I mean, Jacob almost died one year, and it kind of scared me. <laughs> we got to do this, this, and this. So you can be ready. And if you don't, I don't want you to go. We'll do another route. You don't get to do all that we hoped you could do. There's a getting ready. There's a plan. There's a process. There's a way to go, a route to go, and this is how you do it. The story of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control against everything from gossip to sexual sin to 
the addictions and all the battles we struggle with, all of those, their washout point is that we've lost ourselves so much we're just angry all the time. And our anger puts us in the volatile place for every sin to step into our lives. If you're struggling this morning in any way with self-control, we're all struggling with self-control. You can come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. If you're not a child of God, we'll immerse you into Jesus today. Whatever your desire, why don't you come as we stand and sing. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. I will not falter. I will not faint. He is my shepherd. I am not afraid. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. If you would take a bulletin, I'd like to uh, do something a little different. I had a reading all picked out this morning, and I changed my mind. I think what I'd like to do is review our prayer requests. Let's just go down and look at these people and determine, uh, each one of us can determine what we can do to help these people or give them some encouragement. Uh, first, there's Mike Cooper, Roger's brother. We have a, a lot of, a lot of these people are very close to us in this congregation. Uh, Roger's brother, uh, Mike, is going through treatments for his cancer. Dick Carell, uh, we all know about Dick Carell. He's had a rough couple years. Uh, keep him in mind. Esther Crisp, a sweet lady, longtime member here. And now she's confined uh, pretty much to her, to her home or in her nursing facility. Uh, the next two, Christy 
and Eddie Davis. Uh, this is husband and wife. They are, um, uh, Christy is uh, Tamara Harris's sister and her brother-in-law, Eddie. Eddie had open heart surgery and then uh, in his recovery had a stroke. So those two definitely we need to pray for. Julie Davis, I don't know Julie, but she's fighting leukemia. PJ Louder, we're very familiar with PJ and keep, keep, her, keep her prayers coming for PJ. Kim Gillespie, Gary's sister, and uh, pray for her healing. Peggy Holback, uh, we're familiar with the struggle she's had for several, uh, actually it's years now. So we need to continue to pray for her. And Brenda Callender had a broken leg and uh, that's gonna be a, a problem for her to recover. Nola Kelly, uh, pray for Nola and her and give her some encouragements. Ruth McLeese, I really don't, I don't know her, but continue to pray for her. Lila Napier, the young girl that was in a terrific uh, car accident, and the news recently is not very, not very encouraging. So pray for her family and pray for her. Debbie Reeser, uh, Debbie had a hip replacement got uh, dismissed, was doing recovery, and uh, got an infection in it, and they had to go back in and, and do the whole thing over again. Uh, we visited her Friday, and she's, she's doing okay now. Uh, Gene Reisner, as he continues to uh, recover from his stroke, and Ken Schrader. Um, this is Karen's niece. I'm not familiar with him, but he has an aggressive form of cancer. So these people all need our help. And there's many more. There's many more that some, some we're not aware of. So keep these people in mind. And the, one that, the ones of us that are healthy, we need to get up every morning and thank God for the, the health that we have. A couple other... Uh, Housekeeping things I want to mention. We've talked for several months, actually years, uh, about a sign out front, and that has been ordered. Uh, we will, in the next few uh, couple months, you'll see some activity out there, uh, a nice digital sign uh, that we can change the message on. You know, we used to have a sign, we changed the message out and got a lot of comments from people in the neighborhood that liked the little messages that they've seen on the sign. So we're gonna be able to do that again. And also uh, an upcoming thing, you're gonna see some difference in the floor in the fellowship room. And that'll be happening in the near future. Also, today, there's a kickoff at House Mill Camp kick off the camp season and that'll be from 3 to 6 30. Anyone interested in going to that can contact Sean or Lisa and be here at the building about 145 and you can ride with them. Uh, if you would stand with me now we'll be dismissed.
Father in heaven, as we prepare to depart this place, we ask you to go with us. Uh, keep us, uh, keep us faithful. Keep us focused on the uh, right direction. And uh, thank you for forgiving us. And we just can't say that enough. Thank you for 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 forgiving us. We're weak and and make a lot of mistakes. Please go with us through the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.